0: Pretty good Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Neo Sampson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors win against the Memphis Grizzlies, the Raptors West, as it were, with Jonas Valanciunas, John ja Morant in tow. They win 128 to 113, now 11 and 13 on the season, creeping closer ever more to that vaunted 500 record, and then hopefully ascending past that. Soon come, I think. That's something to look forward to. But the Raptors, a, a horrible defensive first half, a markedly better defensive second half, especially the fourth quarter, I think, was was really nice. I mean, it, you have to be able to celebrate it when you limit a team to 16 points. That is not a lot, <laughs> and especially given that there were some matchup problems in this game. Notably, uh, former Raptor Jonas Valanciunas He was mauling the Raptors. He had his third 2020 game, finished with 27 points, 20 rebounds, three assists, bludgeoned the Raptors in the paint, took a ton of free throws. I think he was, yeah, 11 of 12 from the line in this one. Had 10, 10 offensive rebounds. Some of those were like stat padding ones where he misses a gimme, then goes up and gets it. But that's the matchup thing, right? If you have a very competent big, other big men, if they miss the gimme that guy's going to slide under, box him out, and make sure they can't get to it. is finally playing the Raptors without Gasol and deciding this is his chance at revenge. Cue uh, uncut gems. This is how I win. That's, that was Jonas tonight. And maybe in a, if you're from the Raptors' perspective, a Raptors fan, many love Jonas. It's very nice to see him have a big performance against his former team, and the Raptors get the win, 128-113. Not so bad. And John Morant, even though he was a lot quieter from the third quarter on, I thought he had a really fun game. The manipulation, the playmaking, and the pop, obviously, that everybody has come to know, it's synonymous with his play style. It's nice to see some of the most engaging and energetic and exciting players in the league play that way when your team is playing them. And especially if you get the win. Dylan Brooks, Canadian boy, 22-5, and five, was leading the league Sorry, not the league. The game and scoring for quite a bit. Relentless, as always, defensively, offensively did his thing. But most notably, Pascal, Fred, and Norm. 32 for Pascal, 32 for Fred, 29 for Norm. Doing all of this with Kyle Lowry only playing seven minutes, he left the game with back spasms. That's probably not a good thing for the future. Back spasms tend to linger. It's tough to just rid yourself of them. So hopefully Kyle gets that looked after, gets completely healthy, comes back when he's ready. But he only played seven minutes in this one. Nick Nurse was ejected after two technical fouls. The Raptors went on a massive run to close out the game. We'll take back the lead and then close out the game after he was ejected. Jokes incoming about how Nick Nurse is an authoritarian (laughs) despot and the Raptors were finally allowed to have fun once he was gone. Whatever, like jokes are jokes. It's (laughs) it's fine. But anyway, a very, very fun performance from a lot of the Raptors. Still outskirting the limitations of the Baines minutes a little bit. This was a matchup for Baines. Definitely still quite a few mistakes. But if he was going to have a big game, kind of like how he performed against Nikola Vucevic, you thought that this might be the one. They had to run 29 minutes of Chris Boucher, that was give and take as well, because Jonas obviously can bully Boucher on the inside and did on multiple occasions. But Boucher, for example, this is something Dan Devine from The Ringer remarked upon is John Morant slices into the lane. is playing that two-on-one game because he has Chris Boucher in between he and Jonas. And Chris Boucher jumps the gap to block a floater from Morant. He has that special ability and obviously the special Physical gifts to make plays like that happen. His length, especially towards the end, was able to bother Valanciunas when he was around the rim. I can think of three shots in the last what was it, six minutes of the fourth quarter, where Boucher had an arm in there and Valanciunas missed or was bothered by the length. And you just you can't put a price on that. It's really important that he was able to do that. And so, even though there were limitations, I did like some of his minutes. There was. You know, a few missed defensive rotations from Boucher, and that's still very much in play for him. He's not always perfect on the rotation, but I think for what it's worth, a pretty good performance from him against Falanchunas, had a really nice offensive pop, not super efficient, but when the Raptors were looking for something from that position, he brought it, finishes with 12 and 10. I like the performance. I think it's good that he was able to hang at least for that long. And uh, there were shortcomings, but still good. Still good. But yes, the Raptors at the start of the game jumped out to a quick nine-point lead, largely on the back of turnovers via the Memphis Grizzlies, getting on the break a little bit. Siakam cashed a three, which at this point in the season is very, very welcome. Last year, obviously, there was an expectation of however many threes a game from Pascal. He really ratcheted up his usage in that area. This season, been working on some other things and doing well at a lot of them, but the three-point shot in particular, not really doing that great. Five for eight from downtown in this game. He started off early, looked quite good. And so there's a lot of people who you know, are very in tune with basketball who would question like his lower half, the toe tapping he does, or his wrist position and just how things can get out of funk really quick for Pascal. I haven't looked into his mechanics super, super intimately to know for sure if there's something that's way out of place. I do know that the toe tap was eliminated in the preseason. It's definitely back now. So I don't know if he's looking for something comfortable, finding it maybe. And it's just, you know, efficiency of movement be damned. If he's going to make the shot, you let him toe tap. If he's going to shoot 18% from three without the toe tap, maybe you just let him keep doing his thing. But There's a lot of uh, noise in his jump shot, I think. So just working through that, obviously, this game worked pretty well. Five for eight from downtown. Kyle Anderson is a good defender, despite the nickname of Slomo. Positionally good, strong. And Xavier Tillman, who I kind of wanted the Raptors to draft, as well as Desmond Bain, both those guys were the guys I wanted the Raptors to draft. Bain specifically at that position where the Raptors were. Tillman was good defensively on Siakam. And so Siakam had to, he had a really nice scoring stretch at the end of the game. But as far as throughout the game, working as a cutter, a spot-up shooter, probably his best game of the year as a tertiary scorer, doing work in that way, that's big time because Fred has ratcheted up his ability to take the ball, be a scorer. He's been better at that this year. So while it's clear the Raptors' full potential, the ceiling of this team does include a version of Siakam that is creating off the dribble and doing it at quite a high clip, it's still meaningful that he's able to work off-ball next to Fred, Bembry, Kyle, whoever, right? Just being able to make himself useful off-ball is a big deal. The shooting obviously represents a huge sample of that. And in this game, it came along. But the cutting is a little bit underrated, too. I liked that. He was slippery in the lane. As I said, good finishing. Fred, I mean, he's such... It is easy to pigeonhole him because his limitations are so on display all the time. And Raptors fans in particular are looking at a player like Lowry who overcame a lot of the inherent limitations physically that Van Vliet is dealing with. Van Vliet is overcoming some of those limitations, but he's doing it in a different manner to Lowry. And a quieter manner to Lowry a little bit because the Raptors fans have been watching Lowry, have been come in tune with what he does. And now we know that works because we saw it work at his whole tenure in Toronto and we saw it can lead a team to a championship. Fred is doing things a little bit differently, but I think undeniably still very positive. And Raptors fans, I think, as Fred continues to play with the team, will continue to become more in tune with the positive aspects of his game. And I thought he was great tonight. It's the quiet parts of the game where if you just turn your head for a second, Fred is pressuring the ball, or he's probing a little bit longer, and a lane opens up for a player. He pushes in transition when he doesn't have to. Lanes open up there. And the jump shooting. Always the jump shooting. He's relentless. So while Fred plus bench units aren't the inherent juggernaut that Lowry plus bench units are, the work is always being done by Fred. And it never stops. He's There are players who have played for the Raptors, who play for the Raptors, who have these super high ceilings, who disappear. And by proxy of Fred's role, yes, he's always going to be more involved, but he's gotten better and better at all the permutations that he sees of the defense, his reads, and understanding his limitations, and how he decides to go about overcoming them. And not to mention defensively, He's borderline All-NBA, and that just never drops off. A bad defensive game from Fred is a very rare sight. So he continues to just floor me, honestly, with his ability to improve in the small ways. So big shout out, Fred. I thought he was awesome tonight in a very quiet performance, too. And good, quiet performances are the benchmark of a bunch of successful players the league over. Fred Van Vliet. Okay, so yes. A lot of threes, a lot of stuff happening in the first quarter. The Raptors jump out to that 9-0 run. The Grizz realizing okay, they can put pressure in certain places. They can rely on Jonas. They can rely on Jaw and finding three-pointers for themselves. Grayson Allen teeing off from downtown. Jaw getting out on the break in the latter half of the, the quarter. And then both teams trying out these, you know, combo units with bench guys with starters. And at the end of it all. 35-34 for the Raptors because Terrence Davis hit a, uh, a three that with like 0.7 seconds left on the, the quarter clock, the Raptors go up 35-34. A, a salvageable thing because it was clear the play style was not uh, benefiting the Raptors at all at that point. So to sneak into the second quarter with the lead was nice. Five made triples for each team at this point. Fast-paced game. And the Raptors start the second quarter with a very funky unit, Norm, Terrence Davis, Yuta Watanabe, and Bembry, and Boucher. No point guard, basically, there, because I think everybody knows Terrence Davis is not a point guard. Norm Powell is not a point guard, and neither is DeAndre Bembry. Obviously, the hope was that they all combine enough off the dribble stuff to bring a semblance of normalcy to the offense because, as we didn't know at the time, but Kyle Lowry left the game for his back spasms, did not come back. So we got that funky little stretch Norm carried a little bit. And one play in particular, it was end of the clock. He had just a brilliant hesitation and then beautiful scoop to the bucket, finished over Jonas. And the Raptors is doing their best to control the game where they can. They're up 12-0 in points off turnovers at that point. Boucher hits a triple and they actually have a positive run with that lineup in. Siakam checks in. Desmond Bain, the shooter that he is, of course, he cans a triple. Siakam responds in kind, and then that's where Dylan Brooks. I think at this point in the game, he started to get a little bit more feature in the offense. He's he's fun downhill, you know. He pulls up. He is not an efficient, friendly player, and but he does represent a lot of what Raptors fans like in this relentless ability to make positive plays where he can. Sometimes if the shots aren't going, the shots aren't going. It's part of the Dylan Brooks experience. But he did some scoring in the second quarter as the, uh, the Grizzlies figured out, okay, we can put some pressure on the Raptors here. And this is where Jonas, holy moly, I think he finished with 18 and 14 in the first half. And it became really, really apparent that neither Baines nor Boucher could handle him for a very long stretch of time. He was going to get his and relentless on the glass, paired up for some nice baskets with John Morant, was passing out of the post, and led the Grizzlies at the back end of the second quarter to 70 points. 70 points in the first half for an offense that is not considered to be one of the best in the NBA. But they, they have a lot of fun pieces, as I said at the top. Matchups, they, they provide some interesting ones against the Raptors, especially at the center position with Baines is currently playing. And with Valanciunas obviously having a little bit of a pep in his step. So they, 70-63 into the second half, and the Raptors just bludgeoned in the paint and a healthy dose of three-pointers from the outside for uh, the Grizz as well. So at this point, quite clear, the Raptors are up against it. Anybody who watches this team knows Kyle Lowry is very important. And uh, to not have him in the game, that's a big deal. The Raptors... They're moving and going through the motions. Bembry starts in Kyle Lowry's place for the second half. And a good start for him, although there were a couple mistakes he made, but stole the ball basically right out of Jonas Valanciussen's hands and got down the other side of the court for a layup. That's what he can do. You know, he can play make defensively and get himself out on the break. If anything, right, that's going to be the biggest source of his offense is finding those types of spots for himself. You can get, you know, kind of creative with Iverson cuts for him. See what you can get going downhill. Maybe a lob opens up. He can be a good cutter as well, moving with momentum towards the rim. But pin down, ball in hand, creating a ton of stuff for himself. I don't think that's really in his bag. You know, he's developing as a shooter, hopefully. But that's probably not going to be a huge part of his game either. So nice to see him chip in that way. But Fred, Pascal, really doing their best to try and manufacture some buckets. Fred slicing in and out of the lane. Powell, in, in particular, Powell and Pascal, opportunistic, 45 cuts, not a ton of baseline action. I mean, teams seem to be in on the baseline action defending it. And, but 45 cuts still there. Powell, Siakam making their way as tertiary pieces. Fred on ball a lot. The Raptors still plowing ahead offensively. The, the Grizz, the very same. Morant still looks special. He's just, he was really fun in, in the early part of this game and JV still kind of wreaking havoc on what the Raptors are trying to do. Passing, boarding, scoring. He's doing it all. And in the midst of all that, Nick Nurse gets, he gets tossed during a TV timeout actually. And so you, you tune back into the game and you see Nick Nurse walking out of the, well, not out of the arena, but you get the point. And he got tossed. I don't know what he said. I know he was pissed because Jonas Valanciunas, he thought that Jonas traveled and then Jonas went on to score a basket. And so he was upset about that. And then Jonas afterwards, he was just coming down big man with big limbs and big extremities. A, what would the term be? Where uh, it's not meant, (laughs) you don't mean it, but he hit Fred Van Vliet in the face with like his bicep. I, I don't even think it was his elbow. It was kind of just the upper part of his arm and you know, maybe he has some really hardy biceps or like deltoids or whatever it ends up being. I don't know, but yeah, he, he was pissed about all that. He gets tossed out and then the Raptors go on a 16 2 run spanning the end of the third and the start of the fourth quarter. And it's just, you know, some shot making that manipulation that Fred Van Vliet was working so hard for Pascal Siakam getting a little bit more comfortable with how they're playing and Taylor Jenkins, the Memphis head coach deciding that, I guess he wants to play small and without any, like they're not playing plus shooters in Valanchunas's, well, not in Valanchunas's place, actually in Gorgi Jank's place, they're playing middling shooters. So they don't even get to play the ideal type of small ball that you would aim for. It's not like the Raptors are a team where you have to switch across everything and be small and mobile. I mean, good rim protectors have given the Raptors fits all year. So I don't know what the Grizzlies were doing with the rotations they were running. I mean, Gorgie Jang hardly played in this game, and he's a better three-point shooter than a lot of the guys that are smaller than him and would play, even if it's not on huge, huge numbers. But they confused me with that uh, those rotations. And I think that was a big reason why the Raptors made the run they did. They just... The Grizzlies did not play advantageous lineups. And the Raptors, they kept doing their thing. They kept pucking away. Eventually, they got the lead. They get this thing to one hundred one ninety-seven. Pascal comes in. He hits a triple, takes John Falanchunas off the dribble, is giving the Memphis defense fits. And at this point in time, it seems like it's a waterfall or a tidal wave would probably be a better way to describe it. A tidal wave of Raptors offense is coming. And they're, they're making hay when the sun is shining. The Grizzlies are a little bit out of sorts. A lot of those transitional lineups didn't work. The Raptors able to maintain their momentum from lineup to lineup. And they they keep up their shot making. They're rapid defensively. They have a really nice stretch in the fourth quarter where there's tons of movement. The ball's not ending up in the right player's hands for jump shooting on the Grizz when the ball gets funneled into Valanchunas in the paint. On, on some, in some cases, he's hacked. In others, there's just really great long contests. They're kind of dogpiling him when he's trying to get those offensive rebounds, really upping the commitment to the defensive end of the floor that clearly wasn't there for some of the game. And the Raptors, I mean, hey, they pull away. And was it Nick Nurse being Greg Popovich and getting a tech to try and get his team going? I don't know. I, the Raptors take a lot of techs. I think they have 28. On the year, no other team has more than 20. That's an insane stat, by the way. The Raptors, curmudgeonly, they're like uh, the George Costanza of the NBA, it seems. Always something to complain about. Jerry, they're killing me, Jerry. Okay, God, why do I do this? Anyway, I'm so sorry. But yes, great close to the game for the Raptors, defensively and offensively, really found themselves in this game. Especially Fred... And Siakam, you know, these are guys who Fred less so this year because he's been the Raptors' most consistent and best player, I would say. And I don't think it's particularly close when you take in how many games other players have missed and how steady Freddie has been. He's been great. And Powell, over the last however many games since like, you know, mid-January, I think he's been pretty dynamite. And, you know, the as far as an off-ball attacker, weak side— his decision-making has been fantastic. He's been shooting the hell out of the ball. The rim stuff is still a little bit down compared to last year. And that, you know, I guess we'll wait and see if that trends up or if it stays static. That'll be interesting, especially for how big his role is. But man, he's been putting in work as a scorer, to be sure. And a little bit better defense per my eye test. I don't have any numbers for that. And I haven't been paying enough attention to really make a super solid statement on that, but it seemed a little bit better to me. So yeah, Norm doing this thing, Pascal and Fred really coming into their own, finding the, the tempo and the pace of this game and finding the Raptors through it. And so they, they win this one in what was, you know, a very, very good victory for the Raptors. Okay, so the Reggie Evans Award... As we know, it's very good for me when I get to pick a guy who just goes in and rebounds the hell out of the ball and scores like two points. Of course, that is true Reggie Evans type of output. But the award is supposed to embody a guy who's just putting in a ton of work and hopefully has a beard. And I can't think of a guy who works harder and has a beard than Fred Van Fleet. In this game, getting to the line for 12 free throw attempts, that's big time because... This is, this is a progression of his game as well. The best players in the league, if they're not feeling it, everybody who's played basketball at a deep... Well, anybody who's played basketball, right? You know when sometimes the ball feels a little bit off in your hands and you try and wind up for a jumper. You try and get the, the limbs going all at the same time as the, the balance in your body, and it's just not there. If you can draw the foul and get to the line and find your rhythm during a game... That's super meaningful. And the more Fred can do this, get to the line, you know, consistently, the better things are going to be for him in his NBA career. So I I loved his work on both ends. And this one Reggie Evans award goes to him. Top quick reaction comment is from Joe Six. Maybe, man, this dude, Joe, you are so nice to me in the comments. You clearly read and take in a lot of my work. I really appreciate that so much. And the feedback you give me, is not always just, you know, complimentary. I think there's some, some critiques in there too, which I also appreciate so much. So Joe, I appreciate that you read my work I re- and listen to it. I, that means a lot to me. And thank you for the feedback all the time. But Joe Six, quote, if I had to put money on this game in the third, I'd be a poor man right now, end quote. Yeah, I don't think I would have pegged the Raptors to win this game either. As I said, those transitional lineups my God, they did not work out very well for the Grizzlies. Attempting this small ball thing when they don't have the pieces in place, you're just not going to find success. And paying attention to Grizzlies reporters, uh, this has been something that's happened a little bit over the last couple of games. So not only just with the Raptors, but a trend maybe. So had I paid closer attention to them, maybe I would have put the money down on the Raptors. But same as you, I thought that they would find minutes for Gorgie and find more minutes for Jonas, and then use that size advantage to dominate both Boucher and Baines on their way to a victory. Obviously, that did not happen. But we're creeping up to 25 minutes on this one podcast, this reaction podcast. So thank you for tuning in, Joe. Thank you for writing in. I hope you enjoyed this. But whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.